Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Fever Service Dentist Podcast. Our guest, famous good friend, Dr. Paul Mickley, who's in Cleveland, Ohio, and he's crushing it. Today, he's going to give us his update on how he's grown his practice from that little office to the little bit bigger office to the shared space office to now a 14 op fully fee for service dentist practice. And how, and he clearly states, there's opportunity in all situations, even downtrodden or chaotic times. You cannot not learn something from Paul. It's wonderful. Sit back, relax, enjoy the show. Our show brought to you by Kettenbach. Kettenbach's our sponsor. Imagine one product for every cementation protocol. It's now available. It's a hydrophilic adhesive cement and a hydrophobic core buildup. It's combined in one product, Vesalis Semcore, compatible with all substrates and all restorative designs. Experience why dentists bond permanently with Kettenbach's all-in-one adhesive cement and core buildup, Vesalis Semcore. Call 877-532-2123 or visit kettenbach-dent.us on the web. If you like the show, hit subscribe, hit like, share it with your friends, leave a review. If you don't like it, please share that with me. Let me know. If you have any ideas, you want to be a guest, you got a story to tell, we'd love to hear it. Hit me up, sunnyspera at gmail.com or text or call me at 607 607- 624-2962. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe that the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe that the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet, our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door, and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns, and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast, these are our stories. Welcome to the Fever Service Dentist Podcast, Dr. Sonny Spear. And we have a good old friend of ours, Dr. Paul Mickley, who has been a guest before and just a guest on a recent episode where we had multiple docs talking about practice acquisition and purchases. And we promised him that we'd get him back on. And he reminded me, hey, let's get this going. So thank you, Paul, for doing that. So we're going to have an update on where he's at. But let's do a little. First of all, let's welcome Paul. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. And how are you? I'm doing great, man. Good to talk to you. So let's do a like like a Netflix, like season three of of um of uh of the Ozark. Let's do a quick recap on what happened in seasons one and two. Let's let's bring it back up to speed. 
Sounds great. So I forgot exactly where I left off, but I'll, I'll kind of get the give the synopsis of, of the history and kind of stop at like, you know, 2020. So start, start where um, you started. My, you started as an associate. Yeah, it uh, started. Well, initially, I started uh, residency at, um, okay. at University of Minnesota, wanted to do oral surgery, didn't work out, um, was uh, stayed in Minnesota for a couple of years, um, worked at a big, big DSO kind of novel at the time this was in 2005 2006 mm-hmm. where they had i think 60 docs they were they were huge in in the minnesota area and um i was their float doctor so i got to kind of see a lot of what um went on in the different offices and stuff like that and the management of things and stuff so so I learned a little bit about that um moved back to cleveland which uh where i grew up uh, my wife and i both grew up um here in cleveland back in 2020 i'm sorry 20 it would be 2007, 2008, somewhere right around over there. Believeland. Uh, Believeland, yes. This is well before any championships were around or anything like that, <laughs> at least in my lifetime. You know, so, um, but anyways, uh, moved back uh, here, worked for a couple Medicaid offices, which I really recommend to, like, if any doc is starting out, like, a, a place where they're looking to work, a Medicaid office is great just to pick up speed and just to see a lot of stuff. You, you know, the quality of work, that's your own. That's whatever you do. But, you know, the the um, the speed that you're going to get and the ability to just see so many different procedures and stuff like that is, is just unmatched. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, Visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. Did that for, for a couple of years while looking for an office and then bought my, um, my initial office. It must have been 2006, six seven when I moved back to Cleveland because 2008, I bought my practice. Um, initially, it was a fee-for-service practice, so started off that way. Um, the big thing I felt when I bought the practice was I said, wow, this guy does dentistry the same way we did it in dental school, meaning like no corners cut. Like this is, you know, hey, we actually are doing perio charts. There's actually like, you know, profies that are taken an hour long. Like this is amazing. This is this is incredible. So that's what I really wanted to get behind career wise, where I feel I could stand behind the dentistry that we were doing. Um, 2000 latter half of 2008, we had the housing crisis. And that got me really to buckle down and learn about um, the business side of things because, like, you know, you never really learned that. So, um, so focused on that. Um, no, 2008, but, you had to lay some staff off, too. I remember that. I did. I had to, I had to lay my first uh, employee off. That was, that was not easy. I remember, actually, I, I'm not one that cries very often, and, and I was in tears. Like, you know, and I had to really tell the staff that we were making pay cuts and, and – uh, and, and I had to lay somebody off. And then the person I laid off, I did that privately. But, you know, in the entire group, I said, we have to do pay cuts and somebody's going to get laid off. It's I said, it's either basically all of us are going to survive, you know, or none of us. And or none of them too. Yeah. Th- th- this is this is how it's going to have to be. And uh, because if you remember at that time, even very wealthy people were not spending money on anything. They were just nervous. The whole Bernie Madoff thing. And just, you know, mm-hmm. think about that was, you know, wow, 15 years ago. Um so then um, I, I shared a space with another doctor um, and, and you'll see a little bit of a theme here where sometimes like, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, basically, we sit, we shared a reception room and then I had four ops on one side. He had four ops on the other side. And um, 
then he ended up vacating that space. I won't get into details. He vacated the space and left me stuck with the lease. And uh, I then said, well, I have to either, you know, again, it's a sink or swim moment. So I started talking to um, other people, just saying who's interested in, in maybe moving in with me. And I found another doctor I could buy his office, rolled it up together. Um, he said that, the, you know, the deal was he would stay for a year. Um, he was with me for seven, which was fantastic. Um, I think it reinvigorated him where he felt I was just going to say you re-energize him, baby. Yeah. You know, he, he just like that. He didn't have to deal with the business side. And, and like, that's, again, that theme is going to repeat itself because I, I think that these roll-ups are, are like a great way to go. Um, so we were together seven years along the way. I ended up, I think I bought one small little office that like the doctor stayed with me for a year and then he unfortunately passed away. Um, uh, but that was like, you know, maybe 300, 400 patients, something like that small. Um, and then, um, I don't remember. This is all still in that same location in the same location. Then about, um, five years ago. So let's do the math on that. That would have been like 2018, 17 ish. I ended up uh, acquiring a larger practice that was, mm, I think they were doing about $800,000 gross. Um, no, did you look for that or did they look for you? I I knew about them. They were known to be one of the premier practices in the east side of Cleveland. Like when you talked about who are the good dentists around town. Yeah, their, they, their, yeah their reputation was so. Yeah. Their, their reputation was there. And so and we knew each other like, you know, because we practice great dentistry as well. And I just put the the seed probably two, three years before they ended up selling to me, just saying to them, hey, listen, if you guys are ever interested, don't talk to a broker. Call me first. We'll figure something out, you know, and stuff like that. And when that time came, like, look, the way I kind of feel when you're acquiring a practice, especially there's like no broker involved and stuff like that, you know, the value is the value. There's going to be it's going to be either $50,000 more, $50,000 less, whatever it is. To the buyer, it makes very little difference. To the seller, okay, they feel like they got that extra $50,000. That's the last point in the time that they're going to make big bucks. For for the buyer, you amortize that over, you know, 7, 10 yeah, years, yeah, yeah, 15 exactly, years. Exactly. It's, 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 it's pennies. It's pennies. Now, so, Was it a solo doctor practice? Two Partners. Two docs. Partners. The strangest partnership I've ever seen. <laughs> this, this partnership, I mean, like, it, it was – they split everything 50-50 down the middle, no matter what. They, whether... The Doc Sites provides affordable and effective websites for dentists with no long-term contracts, transparent pricing, and great customer service, starting at only $59 a month. They also provide optional online marketing packages to help increase your online visibility. For special offers, including up to 25% off your website setup, text fee for service to 818-489-9823. 818-489-9823. This is a limited time offer, so text now and lock in your savings and visit Doc Sites for more information. It didn't matter who, what production was what. They never counted each other's production or whatever it is. They kind of figured... You're going to take a little bit more vacation this year. I'll take a little bit more vacation next year. They never counted. 40 years they were together. Never like that's unheard of. Are you unheard of? Unheard of. Like just worked fabulously. 
like everything was right down the middle split. Were they then, both married? Can I ask you that? Yeah, they, they were both married. One got divorced and remarried over the over the period of time, but both of them were married. Okay. So it's not like the one had didn't have like you know issues with the relationships as, on his own, but like you know between the two of them, they they were fantastic. And they even I think at one point in time opened up a second office, and that second office then was fledgling a little bit. They closed it back down, but you know all in all, they had a, a long time together. And then um, after so that, they were practice, did they come with it? They came with it. They worked with for me about two years. They retired at the end of 2019. Perfect timing for them. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> you know, they. Um, I think one started having a little bit back issues. One started something else, and then they both the, like one was thinking about staying still. One was thinking about retiring, and then did you, they just did both you keep their, Did you keep their location? No, uh, their location was two exits up the highway from mine, so it was actually quite a distance. I mean, not quite a distance. Ten minutes by car, not even. But like, it's not like they were down the block. They were they were two exits off the highway. Um, so did you did you move them into your office then? I moved them into my space. Yep. So wait a second. You have eight operatories, right? Eight operatories. Yep. Four on the one side, four on the other side, and you have at this point three practices in there, which yep. has now become one. And you're now adding a large practice, or was it just not as many patients? It was a large practice. It just the, the other doctors, they just wanted to work. I think once they sold, they wanted to work only two days a week. So okay. it, there, was, there, was, there was room. I was there full time. And the other three doctors that were there, um, you know, basically two, um, the, the original doctor that I bought, you know, however many, seven years ago uh, uh, um, or se- seven years prior to that. And then the, um, the, those two doctors. And then actually I was looking at getting a younger associate as well. So, because I kind of knew that not everybody was going to stick around long-term. So um, we, and the younger associate happened to be a patient of mine. So that this happened in 2019, you bought this practice? 2018, I think. 2018. So they worked up until 2020 or what happened? They worked, they, they retired August of 2019. (laughs) <laughs> serendipitously serendipitously <laughs> fortuitously <laughs> exactly fortuitously for them <laughs> holy cow yeah okay so but they went out on their own terms they went on their own terms they they're like listen we 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 they decided that that i think august 31st was their last day and they were done and they were and they were happy and then kind of right around then is when I brought the younger associate in. I was going to say, because, how do you absorb that? You got to be working your tail off at that point. So I mean, there was a little time when I was just you know churning it a little bit more and working a little bit more. Um, I typically have had Wednesdays off, and so it was just okay. Well, if I have more patients I need to see, Wednesdays are on, and yeah. you know, d- do what you need to do as the owner. How about um, team wise, I mean, you got to have a pretty good team that you're you got to absorb. So team, Exactly. So I absorbed the team. Every time I bought an office, some team members didn't want to stick around. Some have. From all the offices I bought, just thinking, from my original office, I still have two employees that are still there. One that just comes, one hygienist that comes. She's retired. She comes when we need her and stuff like that. So that's pretty impressive from like six employees, five, six employees when I started to have, you know, two that are still there that's i'm I'm proud of that um then um from the second office that i bought i have two employees one hygienist one front desk that are still with me 
Um, and then from that, that group, that, that, those, that partnership, I have one employee, one EFTA still from there. Oh, and a hygienist. So two employees still from there. So what, so what does your team look like right now with, with this, before you built the place? What does your team look like at this point in that office? Okay. Yeah, so, 20, so we didn't, let, we, we, we didn't right. let the listeners know. So now I have an, a new office that I built out. So I, I'll, I'll get to the team right after I, I get to the office. So that's basically the recap. They retired. Then, then we had um, uh, 2020 come, and that was kind of like the, uh, you know, the, the, the big shakeup. So Ohio was pretty good about like we were about 30 days out of the office. It was very vague emergencies. My take on it was and, and I know some people are going to be screaming into their, you know, uh, listening device, whatever they're listening on right now. Like, what the heck were you doing? My take was emergencies are like anything that a patient is scheduled for. Like if you're scheduled for it, like maybe not hygiene, but anything if you had a crown on the schedule. You had a crown because I saw a fracture on the tooth or something and it needed to be done. I didn't know when this stuff was going to end. So I, I, we came in and we saw the patient. So I was maybe working a lot less during that one month of, you know, March, April of 2020, but I was still coming to the office at least two, three times a week. Um, and, but then already by, um, by uh, May, I think we were opened up again. And I know New York was a lot harder. Um, but maybe we were opened up again and, and we were back to work. Um, and, and huge credit to my office manager. She prevented mutiny from people. Like we had a big team already at the time and, uh, she really got everybody together and get everybody on the same page and stuff like that. So, you know, that, that's where leadership really shines. Well, anyways, so here I am mulling in 2020 fast forward to, to, you know, I think maybe where we left off before saying, how can I take advantage of this situation? You know, I kind of feel, and I would say the same thing goes now. Like we have something really wacky with these high interest rates and inflation and stuff like that. You know, I, I, I have some ways in my mind that I'm capitalizing on it, but like it mostly it's just investing in high, high yield stuff. But like whenever there's calamity, there's always opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so I, I said, what opportunity can we look at that um, we can really grow the practice. So I knew that if I was frustrated and I had a pretty good um, office manager to help me out with a lot of the stress, if I was stressing during 2020, these practitioners that, that are older, that don't have any, you know, that they're doing all the management of their practice, yeah. they're freaking out. They, they probably like just don't know what to do. So I'm in an office building that had maybe about six other dentists. I went to all of them and I said, okay, who's ready to sell? I'm, I'm buying. And, you know, people were just tired. Older doctors were like, okay. So I, two of the people were interested. I ended up buying their practices for, let's say, 75 percentage of gross. So a fair price, not, not like, didn't get a discount. you know, didn't get a discount on it, but like, you know, um, fair price. Um, and on my end, it was like, look, I, I, I saw this opportunity. I wanted to buy again, going to that thing. The cost of not doing something is more expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, then, and here's the big play. I negotiated with the landlord and I said to the landlord, I said, listen, I know I have, I think I had four years left on my lease at that point in time. I said, I know I've got four years left in the lease, but, um, you know, I, I just, um, I, I, I want a bigger space in the building. 
And, um, you know, as far as uh, a bigger space, um, I said uh, there's a space down the hall from my building that was probably probably around twice the size. And, um, you know, the landlord's like, well, listen, you know, you've got you're here for four years. Why should I renegotiate with you and give you that space or anything like that? I said my answer back was like, when's the next time you're going to get a lease in your building? Like nobody's leasing now space. Everybody's working from home. I'm in a mixed use building and stuff like that. And so he's like, okay, well, let's talk. So now we started talking, and that's when I put the screws to him. I was paying, I think, $20 a square foot at the time, maybe $21. Mm-hmm. I said I wanted $15 a square foot, and, I, and I'm on a five-story building, and I want signage on the building, too, on the highway. And he laughed. And then I said, okay, well, fine. Tell me when you get your next lease signed up. And I really played hardball with him. We ended up settling for a 10-year lease with – $18 a square foot, but I did the build out myself. And the reason I did the build out myself was because this way I have full control of all my all my people. But aside from that, I knew that the builders were in the same situation. Like I knew that I can get building build out cheaper than, you know, typically anybody at this point in time, because who's hiring people to build? ADEC gave like 35, 40% discount on all their stuff because nobody was ordering chairs. Like everybody was frozen and saying like, what's going to be. And, and like, I guess this is a great message to everybody. Like whatever happens with the world, people still will have teeth. There will never be a calamity that happens to the world where just teeth will be out of existence. Like if that happens, then yes, we can worry about our business. But other than that, like there's ebbs and flows and obviously we're going to have ups and downs, but like our businesses, thank God, are fairly recession proof. I mean, like, you know, and, and, and so, they just move so how, much, how much square feet did you start with? And then how much did you end up? I had I had thirty five hundred square feet in my original space. Yeah. And now I have about eight, nine thousand square feet. So you tri- almost tripled it. Yeah. Big space, big space. Okay. Um you know, I ended up taking advantage of the bank. I, I mean, like, are you all you know, at one floor? Uh, I don't have the whole floor, but I have, I have. So you're all uh, on the same floor. You don't have yeah, multiple, yeah. right? Okay, yeah, exactly. It's one big so, suite. So, what did you do with the bank? Talk about that. So the, the the bank. So, I I basically spoke to a bunch of banks. I was with PNC again. Some of these banks are are more regional as opposed to completely national. So, PNC Bank is who I was using. I loved working with them. They were great. Baseball um, park. But, your baseball park. Yeah, but uh, Pittsburgh. Right, Pittsburgh, right? But they would not. Um, they would not lend during COVID. So um, Key Bank, which actually happens to be headquartered here in Cleveland, mm-hmm. they are really typically not in the healthcare business, um, or, or they're they're in the healthcare industry. They're just not marketing as well as anybody else. Gotcha. And it just th- through a connection that I had. Somebody got in touch with me. Somebody got me in touch with somebody from KeyBank. And it was almost a favor. It was This is a little bit like, you know, we like to say in, in Hebrew, a little mazel, um, a little good luck that, uh, you know, um, somebody said, get in touch with my friend at KeyBank. I called him up and I'm like, listen, you guys are late to the ballpark. I've got Huntington on the phone. I've got U- Bank of America on the phone. I've got U.S. Bank on the phone. And I've got P- PNC, who's not really, but I'm like, I'll give you all my information, but like you got to come up with your your answer in about a week because I've got to close this deal up. 
It's because I've got these two offices I need to close on and a pretty large line of credit that I need for the build out. It was about a one and a half million dollars for the build out. And both offices were about one one and a half million dollars together. So it was about a three million dollar loan. And by the way, when I'm saying these numbers, what I want people to realize, do not be afraid of borrowing money if you feel that you're going to cash flow and pay it back. Like, it's all just a matter of numbers. Let the biggest, like, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm misquoting it. Like Einstein said, give me the uh, a lever and I can lift the world or something like that. Leverage is your most powerful tool. If you can take the bank's money, and, and as we know in dental healthcare, I had to put a pe- not a penny out of my pocket, not a penny out of my pocket. This mm-hmm. is all leverage from the bank. And, and here's where, like, the kicker comes. This is not happening today. 2.9% for 15 years on $3 million. So that, that was a really, how many nice years terms? 15. Nice. And, and, and set set fixed done. Fixed. I even had a prepayment penalty from PNC that I had to pay off. Can't remember 10, $15,000 I had to pay because I paid them off too quickly. It didn't matter. I was saving money. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and again, it's just about like, if, if, if somebody's not, if if somebody's listening is like, I don't understand finances, I'm not so good at finances and stuff like that, that's fine. Like, you didn't go to school for that. Find somebody that you feel comfortable talking to that understands finances. Some people are math people, some people are not. Like, do it's the simple, math. It's simple math, though. You're talking it, simple math. It is simple math. But like some people look, oh, I've got a prepayment penalty. I'm not going to do this. Well, if you're going to be saving X amount of dollars over the course of however many years, like it pays it back. Like, it's just about like paying, it's like it's like getting a mortgage and you pay one point on your mortgage. So it costs you cost you uh you know three thousand dollars to get one percent lower in your interest. And, exactly. And in twelve months you've recouped that. Okay. Exactly. You're gonna exactly. be in your house longer in a year? Right. You know, exactly. Makes sense. It makes sense. Exactly. So so that's what we did, and we built out um you know, to, we started January of 2021 and we were done in, we moved in at the end of June of 2021 of the so build almost six months. Uh, yeah. About six months. It was a big space out of, out of the 14 ops we built out all, but three, all of them got new equipment, except three of them. We used older chairs. One of them I already, I had like a deal with ADEC. I had a chance to buy, like at lower pricing, and I just got the beginning of this year one more chair. So I have two old chairs, everything else new. I said, listen, I'm 45 years old. If I get these good chairs, this is going to hopefully last me my career. Mm-hmm. And and I know ADEC is a little bit more expensive than some other brands that you can get. But again, I wanted to do it that I did it right. Like everybody says, ADEC lasts. They're expensive, but they last. So, um, so I ended up spending the money on that. But like the office, we ended up doing top notch again like if if i'm a fee-for-service practice i'm going to be charging you know uh appropriately i wanted a place that people come in and they're like this does not look like a dental office this looks like a spa this looks like something let me ask you a quick question yeah if you can give me a ballpark you equip one operatory all new stuff what it cost you then or now well then then let me do the math on it really quickly. It was about, say about 40K then. Maybe 40, 50, 50, 50,000, I think. About 50,000. 50K for one op. Yep. Eight, eight, got, 
ADEC um, chairs and ADEC um, uh, rear um, yeah. delivery. Uh, not, I'm sorry. It was a front delivery rear cabinets. Right. The side so, cabinets I had built out like for my uh, whatever, just generic cabinets. So 50K. Now you did 12. You did 10 rooms, right? You said 12? Four, 14. 14 total, but you did with new though you because you brought oh right 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 exactly i did 12 so Uh, no uh i did 11 because i three of them i had one i just did now of the 3.7.6 of it was exactly just that yeah but again like you know so much of my time in the in the my older office and i'm just i happen to be very handy maybe that's part of the problem is that Oh, something's broken in this chair. So like here I'd be like, and I'd be spending time after hours, like taking apart the chair and fixing it myself. Mm-hmm. Like, because like, I don't want the Patterson rep to come in and, you know, do that stuff and pay them 500 bucks when I know I can do it myself. So like, you know, I mean, not that I didn't use them for stuff. I use it, but like, I'm also the type of person, Oh, you're doing this. Okay. I understand. I have patience. Let me finish up quickly. Wait to start the work. I want to watch you watch i learn next time i do it myself like you know um you know just it's it's one of those things like i have a i have uh my seric is out of um out of uh warranty now so we just have a new we now need a new motor so i said make sure that they scheduled at a time when i'm free when they change out the motor i want to watch because next time i'll just order the parts and change out the motor myself Mm -hmm. if you or you've got staff that can do stuff like that that's valuable to to be able to you know, do stuff like that. Sure. So, but, but I, I wanted to stop fixing stuff, I guess. So that's why I got new stuff for the most part. Okay. So you went, you went from, what was your practice numbers wise before you bought this other practice? Sure. We were at one point, I'm sorry. We were, before we moved, we were at about 2.5 million gross you, you, you had already brought that other practice in correct in that number no this is before this is this is when i bought the partnership the two practices you're ah, still okay. in the old so space. You, you bought the, the so that coincided with this new space was the bringing in that partnership group the partnership group came in but i bought two single doctors that were in my building that i oh, okay that, okay so the partnership was already in with you and now you added the other two in your building correct Correct. So, I follow you now. Okay. Right. So, so you so added, now, what were their numbers? What did they? What did? The, what did those practices? Yeah. One practice was doing eight hundred, eight something, and the other practice was doing seven something. Were they fee for service practices, or do you fee, gotta, fee, fee for service? Fee for okay, service. So you don't have to. Thank God, you don't have to deal with that because yeah. that that would change the whole mix of all this. So uh, for sure. So you now have brought in the partnership. That's fee for yep. service in your space then you're building out this new space of which you're adding these other two that you started in june 2021 uh june of 2021 correct so you're you're 2.7 you brought in 1.6 correct correct 2.7 1.6 all right so you're at 4.3 if everything stays yes okay all right so then i'm I'm, wait so hang on one second i must have done my numbers wrong a little bit I must have not been at two point, must have been at like one point, one point eight maybe. Okay. And then added another. Because I know right now we, we were, when we added it all together, we were at around 
we were just under four. Yeah, when this, we all added it, up, this together. puts you at three point four. But so, uh, do you have no, any? So then that, that's what it was. And then it was three point four because right now we're doing right now we're just over four. We're about four point one. How many docs you got now in this space? Now I have one, two, three, and then me's four. So of the two that you bought, are they sticking around or are they out the door? They're sticking around. One so is still this right. One is a still's regular schedule, and um, one is female. She cut down to two days a week. Okay. All right. So you you've taken in this overall scheme of things, you've taken six or seven dentists, and you've got it down to four. Yep. Exactly. Almost three. If you take one as a part part time, three yep. and a half almost. But I mean, look, these doctors were not high producers and it's a right. matter of like, you know, I've got a new associate and that's huge. I mean, she's on pace to produce herself a million dollars this coming year, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, now, does know, she come with skills or do you have to work with her? She did a two year residency and I picked her up. She did a short, um, uh, associateship somewhere else was not happy and then ended up joining me, but she did a two year residency, which was pretty good. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. Okay, so so those those are the those are the numbers that as of so this all happened in June. So through twenty twenty one, right? Mm-hmm. That's so if that's a full year, but that's a half a year in that new space. So as of July twenty twenty two, you've had essentially now a twelve month operating, right? Yep. And and are you seeing what kind of growth are you seeing? We're seeing about a last year we grew about eight percent, and this year we're on track to do about six. It's going to be more when you bring this other person in. I hope so. I mean, listen, it's 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 only first quarter still. So now let me ask you this because this is an interesting point I haven't brought up yet. With all these different fee for service practices, the fee schedules couldn't have been the same. No, good question. What we did, so so, I will say the hardest, the best thing is merging offices. It's also very hard because you have different personalities you've got to fit together. You, you, you really save on economies of scale, and ultimately that's the most important thing. But what happens is, is that on the short term, you have different personalities. And the, I will tell you, the senior doctors do go rogue sometimes. Like, you know, and and guys, if you're listening, like, you know, Dr. Amstead, Dr. Goldstein, you know, I apologize, but you know this, you know, that you go rogue sometimes, like where we have like things that we try to do. And it's like, they're just used to their ways and stuff. So like, they've been practicing in their own world for how long? Exactly. So, so, you know, systems, for example, you were talking about, like, so we our policy in our office has been in in you know recent years it wasn't always this but like let's say last six seven years where we collect um uh about 50 percent of the fee and then we bill out the the rest and say okay and we'll see how much insurance pays if it pays more we'll write you a check and stuff like that um the um one office collected in full 100% 100% no matter what and said we'll we'll send you a check when the insurance money comes and another the other office collected nothing and right. said when you know you so like they, were, <laughs> they they were opposite extremes yeah. obviously the collections from the one that it's interesting to look at the one that collected in full their collections were near 100% 
the collect the one that collected nothing their collections were like at around 85 percent, i think somewhere around over there like not bad but still not like great like and so now we have this blended system our collections are right now i think last i asked my um my um manager i think we're around 98 percent collections mm-hmm. so um you know which is pretty good but like like for example delta you know you collect in full at the time of service because you know the check's going to go to them we yeah. actually had a patient that was like collecting these checks and like not paying us and we're like dude you can't make money coming to the dentist it just doesn't right. work that way right. you know so um but um but anyways so um what what what, what is was, your staff? Let's talk about the staff now. Yeah. So the staff. Um, so let's talk, let's talk about when you very first started your own practice. Yeah. Bought that first practice. You had how many employees? You had an office manager. I had an office manager. I had um, I had a, another front desk person. So the oh. office manager, front desk, and um, and uh, I had a second front desk person. I up. had. I had two FDAs at the time, um, and then I had one, two, two full-time hygienists and one one-day-a-week hygienist. All right, so we'll say we'll we'll call it six and a half. What yeah. are you at now? Now I think my my office manager said we're at thirty-something employees. Uh-huh. Um, so. Jeez, I'll ha- it, it would take me some time to count up all the different positions. No, that's okay. Like so, that. so th- that's all right. So thirty something. So that is for most people, right? And and, and I'll I'll say it because we we kind of had some similar. We have a lot of similarities here now, right? Yeah. Um, we really forced. We were really forced to think about what we're doing. Yeah. Office manual, employee manual, updating it literally every few months having an attorney review it make sure it's on uh, everything's up and up um the systems uh check-in check-out uh end of day cleanup you know all that stuff talk about what growing pains you had there because there had to be some yeah for sure so systems as you said are key because it's you know, especially when people come and go and you have an employee that's here for a little bit and then they don't come and stuff like that. If, if you have employees carry knowledge that is not transferable over time without systems, then you're just constantly rebuilding things. You need to be able to realize that as the owner of the practice, the only person that's sticking around forever for that practice is you. You know, uh, I mean, as long as you own the practice, you know, um, other than that, everybody can come and go. So you have to have a redundancies and B systems that, you know, it's like it should be plug and play. Like, you know, this hygienist left. Well, this new hygienist comes in. Wonderful. We have a system as far as how everything goes. There's a system as far as how what radio, radiographs we take at what frequency, what, when we do perio charting, how a new patient is, is, is comes in and stuff like how, that. And all, how these, did you write that? How long did it take you to write that stuff down? I mean, like, years. I, I guarantee you in the beginning, it was just understood. Like with oh, that, exactly. everybody, Oh well, yeah, we know this doc, technically this is what we do. Right. It, exactly. Well, Listen, when I bought my practice, it was kind of like, you know, the guy's name was Arnie Rosenthal, Dr. Rosenthal. And it's like, it was, well, Arnie didn't do things that way. We should do the way yeah. things Arnie does. Like, yeah. you know, it's constantly back to like, 
well, Arnie didn't do this and Arnie knew that. And like in my head, I'm thinking like, Arnie doesn't freaking own the practice anymore. Like, you know, <laughs> but like, and, and I'm sure every doctor has gone through that when they bought a practice from somebody else and eventually it just becomes your own. Now, thank God I'm at the spot where like I tell the new hires, I said, I am here. My job for you is a shoulder to cry on. I'm not your boss. Sonia, who's my office manager, she's your boss. I didn't hire you, nor will I end up firing you if that ever comes to it. But if you have questions and you want to talk about, I'm here to talk to and be consultants, stuff like that. And yes, I have influence, but the boss is Sonia. And that's like, listen, that just happens to play to my skills where I'm just not the, I want to be everybody's friend. I can't, like, I'm just not good at, you know, at, at disciplining people and stuff like that, because then I get to the other extreme where I get like sometimes too, um, strict and I, I just i'm not very even keel when it comes to that but it's just i know myself so but so how, how, so talk about the process of just putting that stuff to paper yeah so so it's just some of those things over the years so i think that there was one year when i when i got my current office manager sonia she started with me about seven years ago and um so she's been through a handful of not all of the acquisitions but a handful of the acquisitions and it just got to a point in time when she's like and she came from corporate. By the way, again, a tip for anybody that's listening, hire people from corporate dentistry. They've been trained properly, like not like by like the mom and pops. They've been trained properly and they can bring, bring a lot of great skills to your business. And they probably don't like corporate for whatever reason. Like, you know, there's a lot of things not to like about corporate. Aside from the dentist perspective, the employees don't always like it there either. So you know, it, 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 those are good hires many times. So she came from corporate and, and she's like, we need a office manual. I didn't yeah. have an office manual. Yeah. So we ended up, I think like there's companies that like, and I'm just throwing one out there. Not that I don't like even use them anymore, but like, I, I know the guy, uh, um, uh, HR for health. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, um, Ali Amakrian, I think is one of the, is, is the owner of there. Good, good dude. But anyways, like, and I'm sure there's other companies that do it, do it. He put together an office manual for our office. We hired his company and he put together an office manual. And that was just literally a starting point. Right. Whereas as time goes on, this is something like that. It's we a just living keep on, document. It's a living document. It is. Yeah. You, you keep on putting amendments and changes and stuff like that to it that constantly goes on. Updates. Hey, there's an update to the off. Like I, I see, I don't ever sign it. I probably should because I'm technically an employee as well. But like, you know, I'll see in the break room. Update to the office manual. We need to sign. You have to sign that you've read the update and like you're, you've acknowledged that these are the changes in the office and stuff like that. So, like, you know, stuff changes all the time as far as our protocol, but we also meet all the time for that. So, you know, sometimes we meet just me and my executive team. So my executive team consists of my office manager. And then I have and the only person she's not the boss of is my CFO, who's like really my analytics and marketing person. So like I'm the I'm the boss of the both of them. But my um, my office manager really you can call her chief operations officer. She's. Yeah in charge of, you know, everybody else. Did you, um, did you define your organizational structure? Uh, well, we did. And it's like kind of funny. Like, I think they're embarrassed to go around and say to people, I'm the CFO, I'm the CEO of like a small $4 million company. But like, you know, however, it, it's a, yeah, it's a, it, oh, 100%. It's I mean, my, 
my CFO, I just like so people know some salaries. My CFO, I pay in every city is different. This is Cleveland. So I would say Cleveland would be average between a big city and a small town and stuff yeah. like that. You know, so Cleveland, I'm paying her, I think, eighty five thousand dollars ish somewhere right around over there plus bonuses the bonus structure i just came up with you started last season or this for this coming year you're gonna like uh or i like for them in particular um for the executive team um i'll tell in about a minute but i pay her eighty five thousand dollars. but think about it like this if she saves two percent on something you know on the office or grows the office by two percent that's her pay right yeah. there like she doesn't have to do much oh guess what i switched a vendor for this and i saved us two percent there goes there's your there's your salary for the year you know so exactly right it's it's huge um the bonus system i did with my executive team because like they were always getting much bigger bonuses than the rest of the staff um because again they they run my business for me practically now i tied them to because i'm looking towards growth i said your bonus is going to be 10 percent of the net growth that we have every year going forward and and I also say with like I'm I'm close enough with them. I said, we'll try how it works out. If it doesn't work out, we can always switch it up. But let's this way they know if they grow the office by ten percent, so that's that would be for us four hundred thousand dollars we grow, you know, and let's say net of that is, you know, most of that should be net because like our expenses aren't really going yeah. up too much higher. So let, let's let's assume that's that's all net, then they would get forty thousand dollars split between the two of them. Mm-hmm. You know. Which is nice for them, but nicer for me because I'm then getting 380, you know, yeah. so like that, that's, that's a nice bump. So, um, you know, but, uh, that, that's, that's what I have for them, but that's, so the org structure kind of happened organically where I had my COO. I realized that I did not want to be in charge of or the office manager. I did not want to be in charge of the employees. And then we have a lead assistant. We have a lead front desk and we have a lead hygienist. Lead hygienist yeah. And, and, and you have so, you have an assistant coordinator, you have hygiene coordinator, you have a uh, exactly. business coordinator. Yeah. And, and still, my office manager is the boss of everybody. But when information needs to get disseminated, the, it, it really needs to mostly go through the organization, meaning like my assistant or a regular hygienist shouldn't complain about something to the office manager. She's right. got enough shit to deal with. They complain to the lead. And then the lead tries to deal with it. And if she can't, then it goes to the, the office manager. That's why the organizational structure needs to be there. Exactly. Uh, it was the, the, a great way, now that baseball season just started up this weekend, uh, go Guardians. They took three out of four from Seattle. Sorry, all you Seattle fans. I hope you have a good season, which is not when they play the Guardians. Um, so um, somebody gave a great analogy. You have the owner of the team. And the owner of the team says, I have two goals. I want to um, win a championship and get a lot of you know, uh, revenue and people in the seats. Well, you now that uh, the owner of the uh, baseball team needs to hire two different, very different positions. They have to hire a manager of the baseball team, the manager of the baseball team, and then they have to hire a marketing person to draw people in the seats. Right. The marketing person really doesn't deal with the players. And the manager of the baseball team really doesn't deal with the, you know, with the, uh, yeah. you know, bringing the fans in. So, you know, obviously there's a little overlap, but when you think about the differentiation as you go down, an org chart is crucial to your business if you're going to grow. 
I interviewed Joe Leone, who runs an Italian deli specialty business in Jersey. Uh-huh. And his average sale at the time was about 36 bucks. And he has an organizational chart like you wouldn't believe. Wow. And it's amazing. It was it was one of my it was one of my favorite interviews because I've actually become very good friends with him. But I'm like to the depth, and he brought in a military person who who literally, and you know, they're big on initials and titles and labels. Which me as a dentist, I remember my dad talking about this as we were growing and adding different things. And he was like, "Oh, you got to have titles." And I was like, "Oh, come on, it's just so impersonal." And 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 it really, what he was saying is, you need an organizational chart and you need to have. Lines And what Joe said was, my mind needs to be on making this company do this. If someone comes to me because they didn't have their vacation covered or this, that's taking my time away from growing the pie. They need to take it to their first line. And then the second one is the second line. You know, So he had structures in place for all that. And it was just blew me away. But boy, what a, what a well thought out business structure. Right. And, and it's it's so important because, I mean, like, look, we're we're the dentists, we're the owners, we're are really there's, you know, a couple of jobs. Well, I mean, maybe the dentist can be stripped away from you if you don't enjoy dentistry. I, I personally love dentistry, so I'm always going to want right. to do dentistry. But, um, you know, the vision and the growth of the business, that's something that's always going to be yours as the being the owner of the business. Like right. nobody's going to be able to take that job. And you're stifled from your vision and growth the more little things you have to do. Right. So, you know, and, and you just have to realize what that is. So for me, if I'm doing a full day of dentistry, I really don't have time to deal with drama in the office. Now, my COO or my office manager, she appraises me of all these things like, oh, this is what's going on. I'm just letting you know. She'll maybe ask my advice, like, how would you feel you want to deal yeah. with you want me to deal with this and stuff like that? But at the end of the day, you know, I tell her whatever decision you make ultimately is yours and, and I support you on it and stuff. And and that's it. Like we had an issue. Well, see, then you got to had... get out of the way and stay in yes. your lane. Because exactly. the, if you encourage that one person who's like, Hey, Paul, I've been working with you for 20 years. Come on, man. I, I, I want to take, I want more vacation. You are like, no, you got to go see Sonia. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. But I, if you don't, joke... you're screwed. Oh, <laughs> uh, you are so right. My joke in the office is that I have like about two vetoes in a year and I'm not wasting my veto power on you. Like, you know, so <laughs> I love it. <laughs> people understand that. Yeah, people understand. That's a simple I, concept. I, I love like, that. Do you want me to I two times in a year I can tell Sonia great I can say her, listen, Sonia, I know you feel that way, but I'm vetoing you. I'm the I'm the owner and I'm vetoing you. I probably can get away with that twice and she'll still stay. I do that too many times, three times, yeah. done. She's like, ball, job's yours. Right. I don't need to do this anymore. Right, you're doing you know, it for her anyway. So why should I say? Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and then when I, and, and honestly, I can't remember the last time I used a veto. Like, it just, it's not, it's like not something that you do. It's like you have, and I, going but back, yeah. it, it's so much luck to really find that right person. And And I would say for anybody that's stuck with the wrong person, Keep on looking for that right person. Try to find a, a position that you can find, like whether it's a second front desk person or or maybe you find somebody that you hear is really good from another office and you can promote them. 
don't be afraid of change. It's the one of the hardest things to do, but you will stifle your entire career if you don't try to be nimble and get rid of somebody. I mean, like, you know, we're both big into sports. It's like trying to make this blockbuster trade and trading away one of your best players because you know that, like, hey, we're going to be able to get a bunch of good things in return and it's going to be good for us long term or even in the short term and stuff. You know, it's a gamble. It's always a gamble. But like, you know, you do it because you got to, you know, like and you see it more frequently in sports because these guys, if they don't do it quickly, they've got what? A three-year window, a five-year window before the the owner says, "Okay, GM, you're gone." So they've got to do these two quick things quickly. Us as business owners, we'll schlep along for like ten years before we say, "Okay, you know what? I never really liked, you know, we'll use Sonia again, you know, just as generic name. I never really liked Sonia, but like, I'm glad she finally quit because I needed to move on from her. Well, well then why didn't you do that five, six years ago? Like, you know." keep on interviewing until you find the right person and then you know hey listen we're just moving in a different direction and that's it you know it's not easy i'm not saying it's easy but it's it's something that's necessary stephen covey seven habits of highly effective people you and sonia you've made a lot of deposits in her emotional bank account yeah by, by not vetoing her by showing her clear support and clear lines you've elevated her to a higher level because of where you sat and you've been a man of your work. Pretty yeah. simple. And, and, but look, it, it only, that can only come. There's obviously trust. There's things that we don't agree with and don't like see eye to eye on all the That's time. Healthy. But exactly. I, some change, she's a great second opinion to me, but um, at the end of the day, it's, it's, you have to find somebody. And it's almost like a spouse. Like you, you're not always going to get along with a spouse, but you have to find somebody that you have the same type of vision and, and, and goals. And then you figure it out and you work together and stuff. So where are you, would you say you're at two more questions in terms of sure. your, your capacity? Cause we did talk a little bit off air that you're starting to look now more at acquisitions again. Where do yep. you think you're at with your capacity with 14 rooms? I definitely have. I mean, when you think about it, like on any given time, there's probably going to do the math on it, maybe three empty rooms at any given time. So like, and, and look, it might be my second room and me by one of the other doctors, second room it might be a hygiene room that's empty on a day that I don't have a hygienist there and stuff like that. You know, so there's definitely room for capacity for growth. And the way I built the office is that I have the ability to add five more rooms in the space if i need to one of the this is one of those things i told sonia i said sonia her office is exactly shaped and it's plumbed as an op meaning it's the same size as an op and i said sonia if we end up having to turn your room into an op and i'm gonna have to move you and find another space in the building for your office then you're gonna get a ten thousand dollar bonus like the, the room's going to have to cost me an extra 10. I'm going to have to buy you out of the suite. But listen, it means you've done your job and you've grown the office big enough that, you know. Well, but but see, as as the leader, as a CEO, you set the mission. You set the, you set, you're sort of setting the vision. And if our vision is to, whatever it is, uh, grow this to right. a $6 million practice, uh, have 50 employees, have what, whatever it is, whatever you define that is, then, then her job is to execute the plan. Yeah, exactly. Like you said it. The owner of the baseball team. I'm here to win the pennant and, and good people. Okay, all right. Yeah. Now she's free so, to do her thing. 
the the interesting thing is well something like i'd like to share because i think like you know growth for growth i mean i guess yeah why not just make more money and stuff like that but i think that our like the the altruistic side of it and and because like some people will say look well why do i need to just be a small fee-for-service practice and stuff like that um you know and and i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that i kind of feel that as fee-for-service practices we really have the ability to provide the best care for our patients and and other offices many times are hindered by that and and i feel that the bigger we grow if we can keep things organized and running well we have the ability to help more people to have that type of quality of dentistry mm-hmm. because a lot of younger dentists and and maybe i'm wrong and this i definitely felt this you know a number of years ago but a lot of younger dentists are afraid to be fee for service and and a lot of these fee for service offices and and it'd be interesting if you took a survey and you know maybe on our facebook group it's like you know how what what are the, what's the age of everybody? I I worry that fee for service dentists are aging as, as a whole, and um, you know I, I'm trying to build something that I can have that I can maybe pass on to my associates that's going to be able to provide the best care for for the community here in Cleveland. And and you know I mean I know that sounds maybe a little bit corny, but it's not just about growing in numbers and dollars and cents. It's really about growing to be able to provide you know, great care for people. When patients come to me and say, hey, listen, I've never been presented all these different options before. I'm like, I I don't know why. I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, why why somebody didn't present ortho as an option or implants as an option or whatever it may be, you know? So, but anyways. Okay, so last question. Looking at where you're sitting now and looking at where you were sitting before, what would you what would you tell what would your advice either be to your younger self or to just younger person maybe new to this person just listening in our audience saying well, I can't see this or hey I should have done it this way what are some sage words of advice that you've learned along this path that you're on hmm. good question I, I I would say you know as you're asking and I'm thinking I would say, and we talked about this actually in the other podcast we just did a couple of weeks ago. I would say get a mentor. Okay. That's number one. But concurrently with that mentor, don't be afraid to make the changes. That's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. I think that even if you don't have a mentor, don't be afraid to make changes because if you if you get time just flies by. And and like I'm sure you feel it more than I do. Like, you know, time just flies by. And if you're settling it with you know a situation in your office and and all of us i'm included have situations in our office that we're just saying hey listen it's it's all right but we know we're not happy with it Mm -hmm. change it work on changing it try to figure out the change change is not easy but it's the only thing that's going to get you to make progress i believe it well, that's a good way to wrap up. All right. Well, Paul, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. And I've always loved talking to you, man. I, I, I picked up a couple. Man, I love the veto thing. I'm going to probably ride with that. <laughs> a little bit. I do. I'm thinking like that's a really nice way to put it. Yeah. So anytime. anytime. Thanks, man. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fee for Service Dentist Podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. 
For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.